Welcome, listeners. Ex-subs, indeed, to our third Q&A. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man fresh off the back of a massive shout-out on the Athletics podcast, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Bardi's got a slightly dodgy internet connection, so we're not sure how much of him we're going to hear. Why is that, Bardi? Um, I'm in the process of, of moving house, like um, like a lot of people that during this lockdown, as they were forced to spend extended periods of time where they lived, they started to get annoyed with the small things that they wouldn't <laughs> normally notice. And uh, I just decided that every summer I complain about not having a garden and I just got to the point where I, I needed a garden. I got I, I maximised as much of my balcony as I could and I was starting to... It wasn't good for my well-being to stay cooped up in a flat. So my wife and I started the long and arduous process of looking for somewhere else to live. And that has its own challenges, trying to decide what's a good fit for the both of you. Mm. And you've ended up... I mean, it's so weird. You've ended up <laughs> on the same street as one of my childhood friends... I yeah. mean, he doesn't live there now, but he, he lived there when, when we were both in our early teens. It's mad that that has happened. I mean, it's not near, it's not particularly near where you, where you currently reside. So, or where I currently reside. So it's very strange, very strange situation, think, but it's a, it's a lovely had, part of the world. Had this happened earlier, me and you could have been best friends for real, like in our, in our teenagers. We could have, we could have, I don't know. What, yeah. what did, te- what did teenagers out in, in the countryside do? I don't know. What did you guys do? Played a lot of football on the park, mate. A lot of football. Okay. Conquer, conquer fights this time of year. Conquer, Epic yeah. conquer fights on the moor. Um, sort of setting fire to things <laughs> out, <laughs> out on the moors. Um, not a lot more than that, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> Mainly sharing three litre bottles of cider was my teenage experience. <laughs> I, I didn't like sharing it because people would backwash it. <laughs> you know, that's that's part of the experience, I'm afraid. <laughs> that's a right of passage. I like to keep my mouth pure. I, I was a city boy, but we did have conquer fights. And I, my dad, who's a bit like me, is rather competitive. He started to take an interest in my conquer fights. And I'd, I'd come home <laughs> from school and have to give him, like, you know, blow-by-blow analysis of, of how it worked. Anyway, he, he got fed up of me losing to the bigger boy. So he went out and found himself a conquer. He then expertly, like, surgeried off the top of the conquer, shelled out all the filling, filled it full of, like, hot glue gun, put the lid back on... Uh, filed it down and then gave it a good varnish then with a drill drilled a hole through it put a really strong piece of <laughs> string in and I marched off to school the next day and I uh, obviously I obliterated the whole of the whole <laughs> of year 7 I then the next day I obliterated the whole of year 8 and by now my conquer was starting to get, gather quite a few crowds and there was maybe 30 or 40 deep watching my games and I, I it was so many people watching my conquer fights because this was the unbeaten conquer that I, I couldn't go for lunch so I had to give it to my friend who wasn't quite as tall or as well known in the football circles as me so I rushed to get some food <laughs> when I came back he got bundled and a bigger boy cut the string stole the conquer and the next day I said to him mate that's my conquer and he said no it's not it's mine now and um, yeah that was it the unbeaten conquer got stolen from me by a bigger boy Bloody, bloody Latins <laughs> coming over here, cheating, ruining our traditional British games, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of comments of that. Firstly, uh, <laughs> your competitiveness clearly comes from your old man. Yeah. And secondly, when I said conquer fights, um, I, that, it was very unclear. 
Uh, what I meant by that was not the traditional conquer and a string battle. I meant actually <laughs> throwing conquers at one another yeah, from across the moor. So you'd, you'd go into two teams and, and you'd try and essentially brutalize Blind. one another with conquers. And I remember one time one of my friends got hit in the temple with one. It, it didn't hurt him, but there was blood literally pouring down his face. And he had to come back to my house and, and get his head mopped up. And, and my mum was like, what on earth are you doing? And we just, we were laughing. It was funny, but he literally had blood pouring down his face onto his t-shirt. Probably didn't look great. Great fun though. Happy I'm not times. sure if Americans know. Do, do they have conquer fights in America? I'm not sure. We'd have to... To explain it. We'll I don't know. Would they have the horse chestnut trees? It's a different thing. Yeah. Is it? No, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine hearing this story and having no understanding or relationship with conquerors. What an <laughs> absolutely absurd tale this is. <laughs> they're uh, they're like stones that grow on trees. <laughs> yeah. Encased in a spiky shell. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they they are kind of like something from a horror film, really, when you think about it, aren't they? Mm. Bizarre, bizarre fruits. Uh, yeah, if if you if you are unaware of what a conquer is, um, Google it and uh, and enjoy the idea of of what Bardi's just described. Uh, so that was an unexpected start to our to our Q and A, but I like it. Um, let's get into the questions. We have one from um, Dan who says, in fact, this is something that we've covered a bit and is very relevant after West Ham. Uh, but I think it was asked before that. Dan says, who or what do you think Jose Mourinho thinks Harry Winks is? In other words, why is he playing him at the base of midfield rather than in front of Huybier? As much as I don't love most of his decisions, you can kind of understand the logic of what Mourinho is trying to do with most players. But someone like Winks, who's a good passer and decent ball carrier, but not suited to tracking men or winning the ball back, seems like a terrible fit in the six. It feels like it's hurting our team and hurting Winks. What do you think he's trying to achieve here? What do you think, Nathan? Um, obviously, Winks, uh, he's had a bit of a journey, hasn't he? Positionally, he's had a bit of a journey. What do you think the intention is now in how we use him? And uh, do you think that is hurting him? Uh, yeah, basically. No, but I, <laughs> I, I, Mourinho, like Pochettino before mm. him, sees Winks exclusively as sort of a number six, um, a positional midfielder, mm. whatever the hell that's meant to mean, Jose. Um I think, like, you know, he doesn't trust Wink's athleticism, doesn't trust his ball carrying, doesn't trust his ability to receive the ball in the kind of areas that a number eight receives the ball. And as a result, therefore, he can only play as number six. Doesn't trust his sort of um, defensive aggressiveness from a number eight position. So that is the player that he is um, for us, essentially. Um, and that's not going to change. And obviously, we are going to concede goals in the on occasions where he's playing for us because he has frailties in that role too, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a shame. I do think that, you know, there was some possibility for Winks to have had a better career, to have developed into a, uh, a better, different player in different circumstances. And maybe that's not over. Maybe he's still young enough to go elsewhere and, and sort of grow as a number eight or... Um, or something, but uh, he's just not quite reached uh, a certain level in a couple of areas in his game, which is a shame. He's obviously still a good player, obviously still a Premier League level player, um, but he's he's going to continue to have weaknesses for us, whatever role he plays. I feel like if I was Winx's agent, I would just say, Harry, it's time for you to go and play for Ajax or PSV, and you're going to be mm. a star. <laughs> they will love you and appreciate you. Um, Buddy, how do you think this ends for Winks? Do you think he'll end up leaving us? Yeah, 
I mean, he hasn't started the last two games. I think I think Mourinho understands that he's not the player he needs, but he still remains a, a useful squad player. Like you guys, I th- I think something's happened in his development. He hasn't quite hit the level he he should have, and I think definitely for for his own personal career, I think he needs to move. But for Spurs, I don't see him as a bad thing, as a bad squad option. It's a replace Winks would cost us, I don't know, twenty million, and then everything else that comes with us buying players. So I have no problem with Winks <laughs> staying, but I think as a as a personal on a personal level for him, he needs if he wants to break into the England team, he needs to move elsewhere and find a team that suits his style of play. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a very reasonable take. Um, I mean, there are there are English teams that I, I think Winks would do a good job at, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and maybe that does involve you know taking a drop to a slightly smaller, smaller is the wrong word, a, a slightly lower placed team. Shitter, Shitter bad, team. badder, <laughs> yeah, worser. <laughs> I just think with Winks, he he just never became proficient in one in one skill set. He's he's a kind of a, like a, a meh midfielder where he's 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 very good at he's okay at quite a lot of stuff. He's not really bad yeah. at anything, but he's not amazing at anything. Like had he had a bit more dribbling, then he could have been you you could almost liken him towards like what Wilshire was when he was at Arsenal. Had he had a bit more of a tackle, he could be perhaps he could play that number six role. But he's just he's like. He's a very if you look at I guess if you look at his stats it would be very round but it'd just be a very small round circle just no with no spikes hmm. he's he's the opposite to a, hmm. a conquer opposite to a conquer shell <laughs> I kind of I think his his key skill set is that he's just very sort of technically tidy he, he gets the ball into his feet and then back out with his feet quickly which is it's um, not to be sniffed at. That 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 gives him opportunity to move the ball on quickly, and he does. I mean, people moan that he goes backwards and sideways too often, but firstly, I think that's not true. But but also, if it is true, uh, he does it quickly, and he opens up space ahead of him, which is an underrated and underappreciated art of football. I mean, not every midfielder can or will play forward passes. I mean, we're spoiled with Ndombele, who manages it mm. all the time because he's an elite midfielder. Um, and obviously Winks is nowhere near that level, but I, I, I think Winks has a place at Spurs, but I also agree that um, if he does want to sort of force his way into the England reckoning, he will probably have to go elsewhere, sadly. Mm-hmm. As, as a Spurs fan, I, I'd be sad to see Winks leave. He, he, he's he been at Spurs for a long time, always supported us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that seems inevitable. Uh, question from Matto, uh, quadruple eight. <laughs> Do Spurs have the best second eleven in the Premier League? That's an interesting question. What do you think, Nathan? Maybe I don't know. It features Winks as the number six, so <laughs> it's got. It's got uh, I, I have to like really think my way through who who counts as second choice for City and who counts as second choice for yeah. Liverpool, and 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 write it all out and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it's got to be close. It's well, got to, we've got to be. In contention. For City, Chelsea. there's a bit more blurring, isn't there? And and Chelsea, there's a bit more of a blurring between the first and second eleven. Whereas I think with us, perhaps it's a bit more obvious. I mean, there's, there are certain positions where we're pretty well stocked in, and so you'd say people's first choice elevens might differ slightly depending on which players they prefer. But on the whole, we can very definitely say this is our first choice eleven and this is our second choice eleven. And I think the idea long term would be to sort of create more of a blurring between the two and and be able to, uh, yeah, not know who our best team is. Basically, I, I think it's that 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 has to be the long term aim. 
Um, Bardi, what do you think? Do you, do you, are you happy with our, our second string? I mean, it's exceptionally strong. If you look, Bergvine, Delhi, Lamella, uh, Sissoko, mm. these guys, it's, it's very good, but. Joe Hart. Yeah, Joe Hart. It's, it's one of those things that one, it's like what annoys me is that like we have a really strong bench and that phrase really annoys me. It's just like, yeah, but they're on the bench. It's just like, I'd rather have a, the perfect 11 than have a really strong bench. Sometimes we look at our starting 11 and we go, oh, Sissoko's in there or Winks is in there. But then we go, oh, <laughs> but our bench is really strong. I'd, yeah, I would rather have a weaker second 11 and a slightly stronger first 11, obviously. But I mean, it's one of those questions. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because yeah, it doesn't really matter. But we have got a strong squad. Okay, the next question is going to move- it's going to require you both to click on uh, the link in the running order. So this is from Jumpin' Joe. He says, which would each of you guys take? So this is a tweet which was doing the rounds last week. And the original tweet says, which would you all rather fight barehanded? I'm assuming the spake is venomous. So let me describe. In fact, let me ask, um, let me ask Nathan to describe this series of images in the tweet. It's a very easy description, right? You've got a gorilla shark. Uh, no, shit. Oh, I've already ruined it. No, wait. Is that right? Yeah. A yeah. gorilla shark, a shark rhino, uh, a crocodile. Could be an alligator. I don't know the different, how you how you pick. Let's say a crocodile, bear. Um, and then you've got a spake, a, a spider snake, uh, which we are to assume is venomous. Um, so... Uh, I'm going. I'm going head body, right? So it's the upper body of a gorilla, the lower body of a shark, the upper body of a shark, the lower body of a rhino, the upper body of a crocodile, the lower body of a bear, and the well, I, I the entire body of a spider with a tail that is an entire snake. <laughs> yeah, and um, and and the question is, which would each of you guys take to fight barehanded? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. And I, and I guess the thing. So the thing is, uh, I I wouldn't take the gorilla shark because I'm not the strongest swimmer in the world, and also like that creature is surely. I mean, it lives in the water. It's it's pictured in the water, so it's going to have a huge advantage yeah. immediately. So that would be a terri- have terrible you selection. Getting out of the water. I mean, if I can tempt the gorilla shark into the shallows. I can stand in the shadows and just sort of punch its back. No. Um, then, then that could be a good selection. But what are you talking about? No, just continue all the way out of the water where he can't breathe. Where are you? What is this? Oh, am I dragging it? Or? I mean, it's not going to come. You were trying gonna... to beach it. <laughs> okay, so it will still be. It's still got. It's still got its arm, so it can still crawl around at low level. It just can't breathe. I'm assuming it can't breathe out the water. What I'm saying is simply run away, simply swim and get out of the water and leave. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if we're talking which would I run away from the easiest, yes. then, then it would definitely be that. But yeah. I've got to fight it barehanded. No, 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 you can lose the fight. You can take the L, but come away alive. You know, I think you've got to prioritize. No, 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 you, you're it. looking for no. a win here. You, you have to fight <laughs> it. You have to go. You have to match it on it on its okay. terrain. So I, I agree that the the gorilla shark. If you if you go into that water with that gorilla shark, you're done. It's all over. I yeah yeah. The only one you've got the only no chance. One that I have a size advantage over is the is the snake. 
I if I catch it, it's got to be the easiest. Yeah, if one. I catch it with a with a boot, then I could squish its head, and it's it's over. The fight is over. It's it's like one of those <laughs> one shot. We got one shot each. If it bites me, I'm done. If I stamp on it, it's done. And I'm willing yeah. to take that fifty fifty chance with that. The other the others would just run me over. And look at that crocodile, man. It's it's got all the ability <laughs> yeah. and dexterity and power of a bear, but it's got big snappers on its face. No, 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 no. The snake. Yeah. Fifty yeah. fifty shot with a snake. So- so I'm, I'm, I'm quite frightened of spiders. I don't like them. And uh, it looks, I mean, I haven't got it. I haven't got the image um, maximized, but it looks a bit like a huntsman spider, uh, in which case I think uh-huh. they can jump a bit. And oh, the geez. idea of that yes. thing sort of jumping towards your face is is pretty horrendous. You'd want to make sure you're definitely like, like Barley said, round the back, either grabbing hold of the, the snake element or... I mean, if you grab hold of the snake tail and just swing it and then release it, <laughs> it's done. It's done. And, oh, and I that is, I think it can land. Oh, and then jump I think back it can and, recover and mm. come back at you. You've got to, you, you, like with a snake, you, you hold it behind the back mm. of the head and then, you, I don't know, you bash it into a rock <laughs> for a while. Uh, yeah, and the, the, it's annoyed me that the second image also involves a shark i mean they, they could have definitely yes. been more adventurous and, and moved away variety. from the shark yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but bardi's right the, the the bear croc is horrific and uh and, and bears you know we've all seen um the revenant uh we've seen what a bear can <laughs> have you do. seen grizzly man no. a highly 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 recommended Werner herzog documentary that is both terrible and hilarious okay. about a man who is obsessed with bears and goes to live with okay, them okay that, sounds, that sounds really good it's that so good. Really good please please everyone go away and watch grizzly man and come back and talk about it in the discord because my goodness what a documentary <laughs> do any of them have crocodile heads None of them have crocodile heads, but they do have. Bear with me here. Bear heads, which is pretty terrifying. Yeah. On a, on a, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to choose the crocodile bear because I'm hard. It's the hardest pick, and I'm I'm tough. You, so. you do <laughs> M- you do MMA and shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give that give that bear a heel hook. It'll be it'll be over. He doesn't know how to grapple. <laughs> I'm going to take my chances with the the spake, but I'm not going to enjoy it one bit. I'm going to spin it around my head and then throw it as far as I possibly can. And hope <laughs> I don't, that I don't it think that's the way. Impact. No, you've got to, got to end it. You can't just spin it and throw it. You've got to end it. I'm going to take the spake as well, but I'm going to use you, Windy. I'm going to use you as a decoy. I'm going to push you towards <laughs> it and then I'm going to stamp on it. <laughs> okay. Snake kick and best friend. <laughs> um, okay, next question is from Cyber Vinyl. It says, considering Spurs' or Arsenal's position in the top six, what is the likelihood of a club with fewer financial resources but excellently executed strategy pushing in for an extended period of time? I'm thinking particularly of Leicester, who have been purchasing and selling smartly for a few seasons now. Spurs may be looking upwards again, but have extremely varied transfer results over the past five seasons, and Arsenal continue to pursue what looks like a directionless strategy. So what do we think, Bardi? What do you think of the concept of a, a, a club like Leicester, or maybe Wolves or... I was going to say Everton, but they actually have huge amounts of financial resources now. Mm. Um, let's, let's stick with Leicester. What, what do you think the chances are of them sort of breaking into the top six and staying there? 
I, I don't think it's that high because you have to be really smart all the time to keep selling your best players. And as they as they keep doing that, uh, Mares, Maguire, um, Chilwell this summer, it you need a really really good scouting network, and you need you need all those purchases to to fill them to come to come through. And I I don't think it's sustainable long term to keep losing all your best players. So I'm not sure Leicester can do it. Um, Southampton are one of those teams as well. They they were very similar, but they kept selling and then they dropped away. I, I just think it's it's very difficult. At some point Leicester will have to stop and just kind of I guess kind of try and um, try and build something with those players. And even when we talk about how good their transfers have been, they're still heavily relying on Vardy. They're still heavily relying on Schmeichel and those guys indeedy. So um, I think it is very difficult. A team would have to be quite brave and would have to break into the Champions League pretty quick, I think, to be able to um, to break into that top four. They would Leicester would need it to have got Champions League football this year, kept Chilwell and then build from there. I don't think they can keep selling and sustain it. The, the idea that the the requirement for them to replace Vardy is is going to be creeping up soon, and uh, mm-hmm. that's quite make or break for them. It's, if they get that one wrong, they suddenly plummet. If they get it right and and have a player who can replace his goals, maybe they do sustain their sort of top six status. I know you hate the concept of top six, Vardy. Um, well, Nathan, what do you think? Six, do you think this is likely? I just I just think top six is. It's just a it's just a way to keep Arsenal and Tottenham in the top four conversation. It's just it's just a marketing ploy to make it seem like there's six teams. I don't think finishing fifth or sixth actually helps Tottenham or helps Arsenal. It really is about finishing in the Champions League, and I, I just think they've used top six to make sure the massive following of Arsenal is still included in big discussions. That's what that's what I think. That's what I don't like about the top six, the way they bracketed it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely used to be the top four, didn't it? Um, and I think. Definitely, they're pandering, continuing with with Arsenal, but it was also like I think the phrase "top six first came about the first time United finished out as like the top mm-hmm. four. That's when it became the top six from memory. Um, but it, you know, to be fair, it is you know we are sort of swapping around as a as a unit of six quite a bit. It's not consistently um, as much as I do not want to be fair to Arsenal. It's not just consistently <laughs> you know them finishing sixth every single time. So there is something there. Um, yeah, I mean. Leicester have done really, really well for quite a while now, and they've essentially done, I think, what we did, yeah. what we have done. Um, and I feel like the reward isn't maybe quite as forthcoming as it was it was for us. And I think they won the that, league, mate. Um, <sighs> yes, <laughs> that is true. Uh, but then they didn't, you know, return to being up and about there the season after and the season after and the season after. Sure. Okay, they got their league win and we didn't. Fair play, fair play. <laughs> but um, it didn't become the top seven. I do think it could become the top seven. It could become the top eight, yeah. possibly, if Everton are going to do something similar. <clears throat> but um, I just feel like it, as hard as it was for us to break the top four, it's even harder to break the top six because the ladder is pulled up a little bit in terms of finances, in terms of, of, of access, you know, Europa League and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we're trying to do it more. It looks like we're trying to, we want to do all of this <laughs> big picture nonsense or European Super League bullshit and, and make it even harder for, you know, very smart, well-run teams with good players performing well to to disrupt uh, the the monopsony on the top of the league that our group of teams have um 
and they should be able to do that because that's what sport is. But uh, I don't know. Maybe things are maybe things are different. Spurs now. are a huge part of the pulling up of the ladder as well. I mean, we, yeah, we we're ab- all about that. We absolutely broke the top six, top four, whatever you want to call it, in inverted commas the right way. So we sustainably built uh, a team through buying and selling players really, really well, building um, a, a state of the art training center which which already has has produced some some superb academy players and then slowly built up enough funds to be able to get a massive mortgage essentially for a, a brand new stadium but now we have that base now now we have the the revenue stream we can certainly help pull the ladder up and make things more yeah. difficult for for Leicester for Wolves for Southampton for whatever um and that's absolutely the way that Daniel Levy would want it because he wants to make sure he's finishing as high mm. up the league as possible year on year. Um, yeah, I, I think what we would need to see in order for this to become a sort of viable reality, we would need to see some stricter financial regulation in the Premier League. Um, yeah. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon unless we have a change in government. But uh, that's what I think will be necessary. I mean, and this this is sort of. Um relating to the conversation we've had a couple of episodes ago and, and ongoing since then about sort of feeling disconnected from Spurs and, and feeling that we had the um the email that we published as well as as a blog on the Patreon, which is, you know, sort of recognising the force for evil yeah. that Tottenham can be. And that is that this is where I think it's so strong because it's so easy to sort of fall in love with Spurs five, ten years ago was these sort of plucky underdogs doing things right. Um and then to recognise us now we really are. It <laughs> is real. You are justified to recognise that we are trying to pull up the ladder behind us, and that isn't that isn't right. So it's if you if you feel alienated by that, you are completely completely justified. You're not insane. You're not imagining things. Uh, it's completely reasonable. And if you don't care, and if you're happy for the ladder to be pulled up behind us, then that is fine too. I guess if that's the way you feel I mean, about Spurs things. Spurs have always had their hand on the ladder. They were the first club to get floated on the stock exchange in the eighties. They they knocked down the shelf which was a, a famous stand to put in corporate seats they were part of the the big six that helped create the premier league so pulling up pulling up the ladder as well is, is part of our history as well we do like to think of ourselves as underdogs and the small teams but we when, whenever there's a dagger going into the back of the football league we're we're always there we've always got our hand on the blade Definitely. I mean, one thing I would say, and it's not helpful at all for the sort of financial future of of football, particularly lower down the pyramid, but I'm definitely enjoying Everton, for example, being more competitive this year. And and that is through spending. You know, they've got a lot of money and they're they're throwing some cash around and they're bringing in quality. I'm really enjoying having another team in the mix and that sort of extra competitiveness at the, the top of the Premier League. And I think that is, it's needed uh, I think ultimately it won't help a great deal in, in level the playing field, but it, it definitely in the short term creates a bit more excitement. And not least because we've got James Rodriguez playing in the Premier League for, for a club where he plays every week and is a star man, a sort of talisman, and he's really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I've enjoyed Everton so far this season. I hope they continue doing well. I've sort of always had a bit of a soft spot for them. This could be a Nathan question. Kyle Lewis says, bit, bit of an obscure one, but I thought it might lead to an interesting tactical discussion. I'm curious to know why 
Whenever Lampard lines up against the Mourinho side, he always plays three at the back. I'm pretty sure he did this when Derby played United in the Cup. He's also done this on three occasions as Chelsea manager playing us. His teams don't normally line up with three at the back, which makes me think he's gleaned a particular weakness in Mourinho's approach by lining up in a 3-4-3 system. Any thoughts why this might be? Um, I remember our first, the first Mourinho-Lampard game, um, a major aspect was balls over the top. Uh, that's the, the way that we beat Bournemouth beforehand, Wolves maybe beforehand. Uh, we're finding a lot of success with that. And that um, the way Chelsea set up really, really nullified uh, that as an option because they had sort of the recovery runs of... Um, Rudiger. <laughs> Rudiger. The recovery one of, of, of Rudiger especially, but the centre-backs generally, I think that it's probably easier to defend... Um, that space in behind when you have uh, an extra man at the back and one can stay with the player and one can be sort mm. of ready on the half turn at any moment to to sort of sprint backwards and you can play a central defender slightly a step deeper than your wide defenders and if the ball goes into the wide area then a wide centre-back can shift over there much more freely and easily and willingly than than a member of a back two can so I think that that probably plays a major part in it um, it also helps to nullify oh god here we go okay so um, the likes of Pochino, Guardiola um, Tuchel etc utilise um a positional play system where we um where a, a player's position is dictated uh, by the position of the ball in a hundred plus different locations and so we they utilize a really complex sort of positional positional system that the players have to learn um that's really useful in unlocking deep defensive sides especially um Mourinho doesn't do that but what he does do is sort of um shortcuts it um by playing with a wonky back four where the left back, what we've mainly seen, is defensive and tucks in and the left winger stays wide and the right full back pushes up like a right winger and the right winger moves inside. So you have the occupation of the five lanes of attack. What you don't have is the really complex structure to arrive in a way that you're constantly always occupying those spaces and someone can swap in and someone can swap out, uh, which is sort of more advanced, but we're sort of pseudo positional in that sense i just think that it's probably easy to just counter that by matching with a five across the width and then you just mark them and then that's sort of the weakness of, of shortcutting that system is that you can just sort of match those lanes um so i guess that yeah it's probably it's probably mainly those two things okay pretty comprehensive um he also said this is kyle continuing did you catch Sessignon tearing it up for the under 21s against turkey this was soon after that match. Uh, he scored, or was a deflected own goal, really. Assisted and seemed to be at the heart of everything good about the way they played. Yes, I did see lots of uh, Sessegnon in the under-21 match against Turkey, and he looked really good. He, I would say he looked his kind of, as has become typical, slightly nervous self at the start. But as things okay. started to go well for him, he you could tell that he kind of got his confidence back. And the commentators were full of praise for him, saying that he was basically our best player. I thought Bellingham was was really good too. But uh, yeah, Sessegnon played very well. Very, very well. I, I hope things work out for him on loan. I hope he has a really good season. Uh, he, he has made his debut already. I don't know when they next play Hoffenheim, but uh, hopefully he'll be a, a mainstay in their team. Two key players for England under 21. One can't get minutes in the Premier League. The other is a starter for title contenders, Dortmund. Hmm. That's uh, there's your difference between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. 
And um, those yeah. title contenders, Dortmund got pumped the other night by <laughs> Serie A Menos Lazio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's yeah, that shows the state. <laughs> that shows the state of the the Bundesliga. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Another question from Matto, and it's eight eight eight. He's. Th- I thought it was eight eight eight. It was. Sorry, that was my. That was my typo. Is it eight 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 or eight 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 eight? He knows. Either who he way, is. there's a lot sure. of eights. Yeah. He says. Is the defence that bad? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's gone on to list out the kind of the, the nature of the goals conceded so far, many of which are set piece goals, uh, a couple of which are screamers, a couple, a few are penalties, uh, and there's an own goal in there as well. Uh, but go on, Nathan, is the defence that bad? Uh, it's not great. There's definitely some issues in it. But as is correctly pointed out by the the tweet that he's he's referenced or copied here, um, a huge huge portion of it is set pieces. Um, inserts Nathan Rance on set piece <laughs> coach number seven. <laughs> Buddy, what do you think? How how bad do you think our defence is? Yeah, I don't think that um, that tweet tells the whole story because we've given up a lot of um, no. a lot of chances that haven't been converted, which kind of shows in the XG and everything else. Um, I, a set piece, you can be bad defensively because we shouldn't keep couldn't, we shouldn't keep conceding from the same from the same kind of set piece. So I, I definitely think our defense, uh, maybe not the defense itself, but maybe the whole team isn't defending set pieces properly. So yeah, so our defense is not that bad, but it's it's not great. I would put it down at. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a very reasonable reasonable takeaway. Uh, I, I think it's not just the defence either. I think it's it's the team shape. I think it's wrong to sort of uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think any of our centre backs are um, are perfect. I think Alderweireld is still our best centre back. I don't think Dyer is by any stretch a perfect centre back. I think Sanchez is a long way off it as well. Um, but I don't blame them entirely. And I think also that they're adjusting now to a new system where both fullbacks are kind of playing in a much more attacking way. Not not all the time, but uh, they, they've got a lot more license to push forward, which does leave the defence more exposed. And uh, it will take some adjustment for sure. And, and that's fine. And also, you know, if, if we're carrying on scoring at anything like the rate we're scoring at so far, which does feel slightly unsustainable, um, it, it doesn't matter quite so much. And, Hopefully things will just work themselves out and the team will get used to the new system and new players and Joe Roden's the best centre-back we've ever had at Spurs and everything will be fine. But yeah, I, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's great. Uh, next one. Last question. This is from Steen Jensen. He says, question for the pod. Is it me or does Southgate's 5-2-3 formation leave a big hole in the middle of the pitch? What would be your England team or formation for the Euros next year? Hmm. Quite difficult to answer that one because there's a lot of sort of hope that players on the fringes become mainstays. Uh, I mean, Bardi, for, for starters, you absolutely hate Jordan Pickford. Yeah, he's terrible. He's awful. He's an <laughs> awful goalkeeper who concedes soft goals. And yeah, I, I, I never rated him when he was at Southampton. I, I, I still get those tweets about it. He, he, a good shot stopper. And it's just like, you don't make it to a Premier League level if you can't 
make a save or two. So and I, I just never saw it in him that the way he played would be a sustainable route for a goalkeeper. And he was eventually always going to get found out. I didn't expect it to be this um, dramatic as it is now where it's um, it, it's quite spectacular every time he goes in goal. But yeah, he's not a good goalkeeper. I think I think for England, I think for England, they just got to give up on having the ball and just play counter-attacking. I think they've got between Sancho, Kane, uh, Rashford, you've got three forwards there Sterling, three forwards who are really smart, really clever. And if, if you get Kane mm. playing in any kind of way that he does now with Spurs, with those guys, then on the counter, England could be fantastic. I think in, in centre midfield, if England goes up against the Italian midfield trio, they're not going to get the ball. So And they're not good enough to keep the ball. So I think England go counter-attacking and just, just play that way. And they probably do okay. There's certainly good potential for, for a counter-attacking side for England. Um, if you look at... The, the the technical ability and, and the pace of Sterling and Sancho in support of, of Kane, who we know can play tremendous long-range passes, plus the long passing of, of Calvin Phillips, who is a really um, underappreciated passer. I, I think there's some definitely some potential there. Um, I'm not sure about the, the hole in the middle of the pitch. I, I think it's, it's definitely a work in progress, the midfield. Definitely a work in progress. And I, I'm not still not sold on Declan Rice, although I do think he's definitely improved significantly. Yeah. Um, I, I really think Henderson... I think Henderson is a really decent player. Sweet, I good don't think... <laughs> yeah. I don't think he needs to play for England, to be honest. Okay. And I would really love to see Bellingham... Uh, make that spot his own I think he can. alongside Phillips. I, I, that would really excite me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got, yeah, Phillips or Rice is, it can go either way. I think, I guess I prefer Phillips, but I, I have to recognize the, the huge strides in development that Rice has made over mm. the last oh, 18 months. Um, left back is an interesting one. I, I think, and uh, this is a, a trap we keep falling into that we have to again look at Arsenal's Saka because, Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal, isn't he? Do you think mm-hmm. it, he has to take the place of Chilwell? I guess is the is the contest there. Okay, Trent Alexander-Arnold is an obvious one, isn't it? The centre backs are tough. I don't well, know. I mean, it, it it was. Is that so obvious now? He's he's not having a great season so far. Um, he was absolutely outstanding last year in a in a very specific formation. <sighs> There's so many good young right backs coming through. Kieran so Trippier is. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Kyle Walker is still putting in really good performances, but also Tarek Lamptey is out, absolutely He's outstanding. So good. And Reese James, Reece James. England's best player in the last match. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's nailed on for Alexander right. Arnold. Fair enough. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's is, lovely to have those options. Walker's the right side centre back in the back three, I think. So that that, yeah. that makes things easier there. That helps us out with our issues at centre back, which are very present and very real and rules them out of, of right backs. But yeah, I accept that Lamptey and James both really, um, really special talents. So again, it will be Kieran Trippier right back. <laughs> Kieran Trippier is left side centre back. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the uh, funny thing is, that- is, a, is an issue. There's um there's quite if you look around I'm going to bring it back to Italy again of course but there is <laughs> at the moment at the moment there is weaknesses in in pretty much every international team maybe maybe not France maybe you can avoid France but even them they're having they're still having their problems with who to play at number nine so I I think I think with England it's about taking the qualities that that you've got and then just run with it stop trying to look at everybody else just 
play 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 a just play a back four. Just play a back four and play on the counter attack and just keep it simple. International football is about keeping it simple, trying to trying to utilize the partnerships at club level and go from there. I think Southgate I think Southgate's starting to lose himself now in in amongst all the the talk and the media hype and the questioning and I think he's got to a point now where he's got so many players he's starting to Start, you can't see what he's doing anymore. I think it, I think he really needs to go back to basics and just try and play one style of football. I'm quite happy with the idea of a back four because it means you're negating the weakness, which is our lack of centre-backs, and yeah. it allows you to bring in another central midfielder, potentially Phil Foden, who I think is is really, really good. Uh, I, I'd be up for that. I, I, like that I like that concept. Um, it does mean you perhaps don't have such attacking fullbacks, and we do have really naturally attacking fullbacks. But you can get around that. Yeah, well, I, uh, Foden's a good shout, but I think Grealish is the first player into the squad oh, for me. Oh yeah, because uh, I mean, we, it's so frustrating. I, I'm a big defender of Gareth Southgate, but his use of Grealish or his lack of use of Grealish from in the first place, and then when he does use him, he only wants to play him all the way far up the pitch where yeah. where we can't get the ball to, and we have this incredible ball progressor in, in Grealish is, is really frustrating um, yeah I would happily I think that's a good point I would drop a centre back in order to get Grealish um, to sort of and we can play a sort of Mourinho-y kind of 4-3-3 slash 4-2-3-1 where Grealish sort mm-hmm. of moves between 8 and 10 mm-hmm. uh, in up in between Sterling and Sancho I think that's a really nice <laughs> that's a really nice mm-hmm. 11 isn't it mm-hmm. and then you've got Phillips who can offer protection to the centre backs yeah, and when in. we discussed the centre backs previously we completely forgot to mention Joe Gomez. Uh, and obviously there was a point where Joe Gomez was exceptionally highly rated. And I still mm. think he's rated. I still think he's seen as a, as a, as a good player. Uh, but this season is going to be a huge test for him now without Van Dijk alongside him. And I guess that will make or break him as an England um, centre-back. Uh, I've been very impressed with Michael Keane for Everton so far this season. That's, uh, that's pleasing to see him coming along well and sort of refining his form and confidence uh, maybe maybe he establishes himself for England before the Euros. Dumbfounded silence. <laughs> I thought you were ending it. Michael Keane once again playing for England. Uh, so on that note, I think we should leave it there. Um, <laughs> that th- was th- a natural. <laughs> that was a natural end. I I began fading in the music in my head, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you're the producer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, cut this bit out then. <laughs> 